All right, Morning Skate listeners, here's the deal. Between dodging pucks and heckling refs, you need a hydration game that keeps up. Enter Key Sparkling Water. Key's packed with real fruit and has the kind of fizz that laughs in the face of those other overcarbonated wannabes. It's like a slap shot of flavor right to your taste buds without turning you into a human flotation device. Isn't that nice? Whether you're in the locker room or just playing armchair uh, or armchair coach, Key's your wingman. Zero added sugar because, let's face it, you're sweet enough, especially when you're screaming at the TV. So if you need a refresh, skate on over to keysparklingwater.com and save 20% by using code TMS24. You can also find Key on Amazon, or if you're local to the Saratoga area, you can find it at Burger Five, Franklin Market, Fat Polly's, and Capital Roots. That's Key Sparkling Water, phone, water. Wallet and key. The countdown going on right now. Morrow up to Schultz. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yeah! Welcome to the morning skate. Hell yeah, welcome to the Morning Skate. What's going on, guys? This is going to be a pretty cool episode because, as you guys know, I'm a huge Rangers fan, and I have one of the biggest Rangers personalities that I could possibly find to come on the pod. So, Johnny Lazarus, what's going on, buddy? How are you doing? Well, Jimmy, I appreciate the intro, and I appreciate you having me on. I know we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm super stoked that we uh, finally got the time to do it. I love it, dude. And the morning skate fashion, just procrastination, just you know, tends to happen quite a bit. So I think I feel like we've been talking for a long time to do this. It's just been kind of like a long time coming, just like a little bit of cat and mouse game. We finally got you on, dude. And that one's on yeah. me. So I appreciate you. No, no you're on. good. We've been DMing for like what a year now. I feel like going back and forth. It's been it's been, uh, it's been really yeah. special. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> a, a good well, a good Twitter friendship. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, yeah, so let's kind of get into it. We brought up the um, the friendship thing, and th- like this is when I knew I was gonna like you. So, <laughs> I I would always say to my boys, if like especially my, like my Rangers like buddies, if we wanted to talk about the Rangers, be like, hey, dude, let's talk some rags. So like we threw we threw across some like ideas about maybe t- uh, starting a potential podcast called Talking Rags. I tweeted out, and holy shit, people did not like that. Uh, Why? So I, I so that's that's my first question. Why do people get so salty about using the term rags? I don't understand it. Like people are like, oh, that's what Islanders or like Devils fans call. It. Like, dude, if that's like a big problem to you, then you should probably just go get a Snickers because I, I just I don't get it. I uh, I don't really get it either, to be honest. It's I've wild. always I, you can refer to them in so many different ways. Like you know, I've said rags, blue shirts. Like uh, you know, I I guess the only one I haven't heard, which we can maybe start, is the Jers. Never heard that one. Oh uh, yeah, that we we can just you know maybe it's got no legs right now. We can get that <laughs> one going just us two. Um, yeah. but you know people do that. Like I've worn this hat now for like a week since I got it, and people have said like the nurs, the M's, like everyone just you just it's just how we live, right? You just throw out little yeah. different phrases, but I don't know why anyone would be like annoyed or offended by that at all. Maybe it's like a generational thing. Like maybe it's like the old man yelling at the cloud. Like back in the early nineties, it was just like the really not thing to say. I don't know. It's just like easier than being like, Hey boys, you want to talk about Rangers or like, Hey boys, you want to talk about the rags? It's just like a little yeah, bit quicker. The rags is smooth. Yeah. I think it's smooth. Yeah. Okay. So I feel good about that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, dude, let's let's kind of talk about like how you got into hockey. You, you've obviously played Division One, all these different things. So, like, you, like you know your stuff, but like growing up, how did you get into hockey? Did your parents play hockey? Your brother or siblings? I don't even know if you have siblings. So, like, how did that happen? Yeah, I have an older sister. She's five years older. Um, my parents never played hockey. They didn't know shit about hockey. They still, well, my dad does. My mom still doesn't really know <laughs> shit about hockey. Actually, funny story. Like literally two weeks ago, my mom 
was on Instagram and, and there was, I forgot which account posted it, but uh, someone posted like a miss, a Timo Meyer missing poster. And my mom was like, yeah. Holy shit. Like, is he okay? And I was like, mom, it's just, a, it's a joke. <laughs> uh, you know, it, was, it was pretty good. Um, but yeah, like my, my cousin, uh, Jason was a huge Rangers fan growing up. My dad was in high school for all four years. The Islanders won the cups in Long Island and Roslyn. He grew up. So I was kind of an, and I, you know, I tell you this all the time. I was kind of an Islander fan. Like the first, like, you that's know, fair, dude. Yeah. To, yeah, like years five to seven, I would say, of my life, I, I was an Islander fan, but not like a diehard or anything. Like I still watch the Rangers. Like I love Mark Messier, but like I, yeah. you know, didn't really have a team. I just had like, you know, I had a Alexi Yashin jersey, a Joe Sackick jersey, a Mark Messier Ooh, the jersey. Just, the turtleneck, dude. The Alexi yeah. Yashin turtleneck. Yep. But I just loved hockey, and that's how I am now. Like even like you know, I know a lot of people give me shit because I like you know, we'll publicly support the the devils or the Islanders. And I'm like, I, I like hockey more than I like the Rangers. Like, that's just how I am. And, uh, my cousin, I get that with Boston, dude. Like I, I can just appreciate the type of players on their team. Like everybody, yeah. Marshan, but it's like, you'd be an idiot if you wouldn't want that guy on the Rangers. Like he's that thousand percent. Yeah. Okay. I see where you're at. But yeah, my cousin just kind of got me into it and I watched Ranger games, you know, from an early age and kind of just went from there. Um, but I was a big, like, dude, I, I think until I was 13, I wanted to play in the NBA. Like, I was a huge New York Knicks fan. Oh, really? Still am. Still am. Um, Rangers, Knicks are really my two teams. I, I'll, like, support the Giants and the Mets, but I don't really care about the NFL or the MLB at all. Yeah. Okay, so so you're, you're following the Islanders. When did you start playing hockey? Uh, I think, so I, there's a picture of me and my sister. I think I'm five years old. I'm wearing her, like, Barbie roller skates in the basement. <laughs> uh, so she had skates before I did. And, uh, you know, I played ice in kindergarten, but then I quit ice actually and jumped to roller. So I played roller to like fifth grade. And then my dad's best friend, who's like a family friend, we call him cousins. Like one of those things, you know, uh, you know, he was like the manager of a travel ice hockey team, I guess. And he was like, why doesn't Johnny come out and practice and, you know, figure it out from there. And yeah, in fifth grade, I started playing ice and then, you know, I fell in love with ice and it was ice hockey ever since. So I was kind of like a late starter really Mm -hmm. to ice hockey. Like I played in kindergarten, but not like competitively. It was just kind of like learn skate stuff. Um, but yeah, once I laced them up in fifth grade, it was it was really it. That's all I wanted to do. When did uh when did you know you had a shot to like, you know, carve out like a pretty cool little college career out of it? Like that's that's got to be so cool. Like the the day that you were like, holy fuck, I'm playing D one. That had to have been unbelievable, right? Like I mean, not many people yeah. get to say that. No, no, no. I mean to be fully transparent, I was a late bloomer. Like I didn't really know what junior hockey was till ninth grade 10th grade um yep. i didn't play triple a till freshman year of high school um you know obviously i like always dreamed of playing in college but i never really thought that i could like i yeah. was you know i was not a confident hockey player until i was probably 17 um mm-hmm. and that started when i played for the metro moose it was like junior b out in uh in brooklyn um the mjhl was called at the time and um i was pretty good on that team like you know i, I started out in the fourth line then like slowly moved my way up and started getting first line minutes uh first line power play and stuff and we played the New Jersey Rockets. They had Charlie McAvoy as their number one defenseman. This kid, Nolan Abel, who was committed to Yale at the time, a good friend of mine, ended up playing at Brown. And Jeremy Bracco, who uh, was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs, they were yep. like a stacked team. And Penn State came to watch that game, not watch me. They came to watch uh, you know, McAvoy, I think, and my teammate, Paul Vela. And mm-hmm. I ended up having a great game. And I talked to Penn State after that, and like that's when – that had been so cool being able to talk to Penn State though, like getting out the ring, really be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'll talk to you." Dude, <laughs> it was unreal, and like being a kid from Long Island, like so many people I know go to Penn State, and it's such a fun school. I actually ended up visiting, but 
the next time they came to watch me play, I couldn't have been worse. And now it's yep. like where the conversation just died. Um, so it was a pretty quick little uh, exchange between Penn State and I. But that was the first time, like 11th grade, where I was like, oh, like I can, you know, maybe play Division One. That's pretty sick. And how was your experience playing D1? Was it just? It's got to be pretty cool. The players you're playing against, just it's 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 got to be weird, right? Because I played club hockey. I played at Siena, so it's probably a little. Well, it's definitely less dedication than you would have playing like an NCAA sport. Um, mm-hmm. But it's still got to be pretty cool. Like, it, was it hard to separate yourself between being a hockey player and like being a student? Like, was there any kind of gray areas there or anything? Well, that is the hardest thing. And, you know, I think a lot of kids are different and it's, I don't want to say it's a huge problem, but my mentality was, you know, my dream was just to play in college. Like I never really, like, obviously I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to play in the NHL, but I never really thought that was an attainable thing for me. And maybe that's not the best way to think, but like, it was very hard at college because when you play division one, you're asked to treat yourself like a pro. You have to make sure you watch everything you eat. You can't go out like a typical college student. It's a Mm -hmm. huge commitment and a huge sacrifice. And if you don't want to play in the NHL, it's very hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, not that I didn't want to play in the NHL. Like I I worked my ass off. I wanted to. But like I also didn't learn what hard work was until I got to college. Like, yeah, there are guys waking up at 6 a.m. to work out before our team workouts, before our team practice, like. Like there are guys who really just take it to a whole different level when it comes to dieting, when it comes to, you know, treating your body and recovery and everything. Being a pro. pro. Yeah. And I didn't know any of it. Like I got exposed in college because I just, not that I didn't work hard, but I didn't know what I didn't know when I was a kid. Like I just played hockey because I loved it. I didn't play. Mm -hmm. Like my parents didn't like wake me up at 5 a.m. to go skate before school. Like they didn't want me to, you know, they didn't treat me like it was. You were like a normal kid. I was a kid. Yeah. 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 I always say like, and it's, you know, I'm a little cheesy, maybe, but I always say, like, I wasn't a hockey player. I was a kid who played hockey. Like, that's yeah. really. That's so funny you said that. One of my first coaches that and I played for Hudson Valley, and that was like when uh-huh. he came in, and he was pissed off one time. He's like, you guys need to figure out if you want to be a hockey player, or just somebody who plays hockey. And I'm yeah. like, oh, shit, dude. <laughs> right, but, but that's, you know, like, not everyone is is like that. And, and honestly, like, I thank my parents all the time for not forcing it on me because I know so many kids who. You know, their parents woke them up early in the mornings. They, they didn't have any social life. And and guess what? Like, they maybe made it to D1, but that, that was it for them. Like, yeah, we're all in the same spot now. Like, luckily, my parents, like, you know, I went to summer camp till I was, like, 16. Like, I didn't – like, hockey wasn't my whole life, you know? Yeah. And um, I think that's why I am where I am right now, just because, like, I was able to do other things and, and you know, be a kid and not have so much pressure on my shoulders. Like, I got, I got very lucky, honestly. I really did. I, I just almost that's like more impressive, dude. Cause I feel like most division one, or at least I would assume most like D one hockey players have to be legitimate machines to get there. Like no matter what's going on, it's cool that you were kind of able to like do that, but also in, like enjoy yourself at the same time. Actually, dude, did you see, uh, I think I saw yesterday on Instagram Cornell, they have this thing where like they can't wear anything Cornell hockey related unless they're at the rink because they, because their coaches say that, Hey, listen, like when you're at the rink, like that's your job, you're a hockey player. But when you're out of the rink, like you're a student first. And I, I've never seen anything like that. Cause like normally hockey players do the moment you get the team apparel, like that's literally all, all you want. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. And these Cornell kids are talking about, it. I'm like, well, you know, that's probably not a school I'd go to, but at the same time, it's, it was like kind of cool. It's like really, really preparing them for like anything beyond hockey. I just yeah, never not, anything like that. I've never, I've never even heard. I didn't even hear that yesterday until you just pointed pointed that out. So I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to your point, like as soon as I got school swag, that's all I wore. 
every That's single it. time. Yeah. When I was when I, I had to go back to Hudson Valley because I had to get my grades back up. So the lacrosse team there, they needed bodies. Never played lacrosse a day in my life. And they're like, hey, uh-huh. you want to play lacrosse? And I was like, well, that's a lot of running. He's like, well, you can take face-offs. I'm like, yep, deal. So <laughs> I dude, I did it for like a week, got the apparel, and then we had like a week-long 6 a.m. practices. And I was like, coach, thank you so much for the opportunity, but I think I'm just gonna take this I'm sweatshirt. Out. And he's like, Are yeah. you sure? I'm like, Yeah, thank you for thank you for the sweatshirt, like the the three-quarter zip. I feel awesome, but this just is not for me. So yeah, I respect you that. Play, you play for know. the apparel sometime, you know, and you just gotta be honest with people. Yeah. So I respect all right. So you grew up kind of an Islanders fan, then you really started watching. Well, not real. I was not you know what I mean for like years, two or three years. years. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. my bad. I take that back. Um <laughs> what what are like some of like your big Rangers moments like growing up watching like as a fan? Like for me, I, I put down some like examples. I remember when Esatika and then took a shot against the Panthers and it like hit the camera and bounced out, and there was like a three minute delay whether or not it went in. I remember when Brian Boyle Deke drew Dowdy in the Stanley Cup and he ended up scoring. I think they were shorthanded. I'm like, there's no way we lose the cup now. Well, mm-hmm. we did. Um, do you have like any memories that just really said the Derek step on overtime winner against the Caps? Like just like little moments like yeah. that growing up? Um, I mean, I still remember my first Ranger game. Like I think I it was 2002. Uh the Rangers had Eric Lindros. They played against oh, the Washington man. Capitals, and, and when Yager was in the Capitals, the game ended oh, in like wow. a 2-2 tie. Uh, my aunt took me, my cousin, and my dad. We went to ESPN Zone before the game, which was sick. Throwback to ESPN yeah. Zone. Oh, um, yeah. Great spot before Ranger games doesn't exist anymore. And Sad. you know, I remember just sitting at the garden, like for the first time, walking around like the little walkway too that was inside the the seating. They mm-hmm. used to have that where you can like kind of walk around like inside the arena, which is cool. Yeah. If you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but like as far as early memories go, like I kind of remember being in my basement, like watching Mark Messier his last game. He scored that backhand goal, I think, against Buffalo. Um, you know the Malik shootout move. Obviously, I remember that day oh, in my man, basement as well. Yeah. But like, I think the one that sticks out most, honestly, this is something I don't know if I've ever confessed. Actually, let's go. Uh, so during the 2012 playoff game six against the Devils. I loved like throwing on my rollerblades in between periods, going out in the tennis court and fucking around with the puck, like, you know, during our missions. I like that. Okay. So I came back into the house and the devils were celebrating. I missed the Uh Henry goal because it was like a minute into the period. I missed the first minute of overtime. I didn't know that it was back on. Like you didn't get a push notification to your phone. Like, Hey, overtime starting. You kind of just had to like go based on your own instinct and and read when to go back inside. So I skate back in. See on the TV the devil celebrating, and I'm like, I was just like in shock. Like I like could not believe what had happened. Granted, that's not an early Ranger memory. It's just like something that like sticks out. Um, so but- we kind of have something in common, dude. I was uh I was dating a girl at that time, and we I was out in Rochester and we went camping. And I watched, dude, I watched <clears throat> all the games that year, all the playoff games, but we had to go camping that day. So I didn't even get to fucking watch it, dude. Oh, it was so. awful. I, I got a call from my dad. He's like, you're not going to fucking believe what like freaking out. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. So we both, we both missed it. Well, it's not really, I didn't, I, I'm glad I missed it, dude. I would have been yeah. just absolutely heartbroken if I would have had to witness that. Cause like that mm. was, that was a hell of a year for the boys. dude. They were so good that year. That was a team that nobody wanted to play against. And it like, it just, Hopefully, hopefully we can kind of get back to, you know, the cup final this year, but yeah. Uh, all right. So dude, what's it like being around the team? That's gotta be like an unbelievable experience. Yeah. I mean, listen, at first it was like, you know, heart pumping through the chest every time um, you're around them. Now it's, you know, it's, it's definitely different now and it's way more comfortable now. How long did that take? 
like to get from like kind of like I would be fanboying, dude. But like you can't exactly do that because you have to, you know, keep it professional. Yeah. But like I know you mean like heartbeat and like holy shit, that's our Timmy Panarin. Like, yeah. How long did it take for that to kind of you know go away? And now it's just everything is just status quo. Honestly, the fanboy thing was never a thing for me. Well, um, I would have been losing it. It it. Well, I'll tell you when it was though. So when I started, like I started probably with like two games left in the regular season last year, mm-hmm. and I like being around. Like I've been around a ton of NHLers before this, so it yeah. wasn't like a big deal at, at the beginning. But when I first was in like a media scrum with Patrick Kane, I was like, oh shit! Like that'll wake you up. The guy, like he was yeah. the guy growing up. So like that for me was like I don't even think I asked anything. I was a little too nervous for that one, but. Um, he was you know, the was, guy, wasn't he, dude? Like, how many yeah. people shaved like those racing stripes in the side? I did. Yeah, 100%, I did. dude. I would love to I'm see gonna do it again this that. summer. I'm growing my hair out right now. <laughs> I love that. Hell yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah, yeah, you know, that like, been pretty cool. There are, uh, and there are still little moments like that, I think, um, you know, depending on who I'm talking to. It doesn't really happen with the Rangers because the only guy I like really grew up kind of watching was Kreider. But yep. like, um, I'm not, you know, I, I don't think. I had that feeling with him originally. Um, trying to think of like any road players that I've talked to that that have given me that. I mean, like we'll get into it. Some of the skates that I've done, um, yeah. I've had that. But but yeah, there hasn't really been, um, you know, much like uh, fan fanboying, I guess, as of late. Okay. Um, how's how's everybody else in the media like with you? Because like you're like the new up and comers. Everybody been like super supportive. Are there people where you're like, okay, I'm gonna let him ask a question before I do? Like, how does that all work? Um, well, there's like a pecking order. Um, and I've I've only st- <laughs> I I've only started a press conference once, and that was last week because mm-hmm. me and I was with Vince, and Vince was like, I don't really have anything to ask today. He's like, can you take the reins? I was like, yeah, I guess I'll take it. Because also like it's it's tough when you know people like Vince, Molly, Colin, Larry um arthur when when i'm not with them every day mm-hmm. like because i do I, you know i have other things around the league and stuff that i do so i'm I'm not like a full-time beat reporter for the rangers whereas when they see them every day you can't ask the same questions all the time so like right. you know, if they need me to step in and say something i will but i'm not also one to like overstep those boundaries like mm-hmm. you know you kind of learn quickly that vince will start it or larry will start it or arthur will start it or sometimes molly even starts it and, uh, you know, I, I am not one to do that. Um, but we have like a little assigned seating now, like in the press conference room, like, you know, in the beginning of the season, it's different. You don't really know where you're going to sit yet. And as the season goes on, it's just like a classroom in high school. You kind of just sit in the same spot every time. Right. Um, and then there's Matt Mugno, who, you know, like younger people just go a little bit later in the press conference. Um, but it, you know, there's a lot of learning things too. Like, you know, I think if you're in the locker room, you know, you have to be respectful of other people's questions and, um, you know, not tweet out what someone else might ask to like, okay. I've learned that, you know, like, uh, if you're in a public scrum, I think most things are up for grabs, but if it's like a, you know, one to two person, um, interview, you can't really take someone else's questions, not questions, but answers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just like little ins and outs to it that, uh, that doesn't take a lot of learning, but a little t- time to adjust on what you can and what you can't do. Like, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic though, for sure. Do you remember the first question you asked? Um, hmm. Or who it was to, or if you were really nervous to do it, all these things. Yeah. Like my first time I'd be like, Oh boy, let's not, 
stutter or like let's not ask something <laughs> yeah. dumb or like you know what i mean i think i i i don't remember the first i think i went up to fox first just because i've i've known adam since we're kids so yeah. i like when the first time i saw him in the locker room like he was you know like he actually like dap like it was a dap like it was like, yeah, you know, yeah um which was cool but also like you have to be professional right so mm -hmm. it's you know i felt i felt obviously comfortable that he did that but um you know i think he was the first one i asked and it might have just been like um you know playing the devils in the first round what does it mean for you as a, a kid who grew up a ranger fan like i think i asked actually i think i asked him where he was when he's when the henry goal happened i think that's okay. what i asked and that was my first question it's like outside um, the tennis courts with you dude <laughs> yeah exactly yeah exactly um and then i remember so i i went out to the guys that i knew first when i started because mm -hmm. i because they played buffalo that night so i went to tage thompson after spoke to him quickly um and i think i actually asked him about his thoughts on uconn winning the men's basketball championship like you know something just kind of uh yeah a little different because he, he's a uconn guy so um something like that but yeah i i, I uh you know, I felt nervous walking into the room, but going to the guys that I knew previously, I didn't really feel that nervous. So one of the things I like about you, and like we'll get into the open skate later, but I feel like most of the time it's just the same questions kind of over and over and over again. Where when we have people we interview, like we'll do like a um, rapid fire question segment where we're like, okay, like if you could have uh, your own concert, pick like five bands or artists that are alive that you'd want to play the concert. Cause to me, that's telling me more about the person than just like, Oh, Hey, how did you get to where you're at? Cause like, dude, pretty much those stories are all the same. You just skate really hard. You, you train as you're, you're just a yeah. psycho. You know what I mean? But like, or who do you want to sit courtside? Because to me, it shows a little bit more about that person than just that stuff. So like, I enjoy that stuff. When you do the open skates, like I'm all, I always kind of find out like interesting little tidbits. It kind of like humanizes these like people that everybody looks up to so much. You know what I mean? So what, yeah. like, is, is it, is it hard to like try to include some of that stuff? Because hockey, I feel hockey media at least is so traditional and in, in what you can and can't ask. Does that make sense? include that in like my coverage or include yeah and like in your coverage like is it like yeah. like do the guys kind of almost appreciate that because i feel like you do because if you just hear the same questions over and over and over again and then you kind of ask a little bit more about them they're probably like oh shit yeah dude i'll answer these questions you ever like find that happening yeah i mean there's certain situations where you can and can't do that like mm -hmm. when i'm in the locker room it's tougher to ask those questions because it's really focused on a game or focused on right a specific theme with the opponent and whatnot um you know like you don't really want to shy away from the important thing um, mm -hmm. when you're covering the team in that scenario. Like the locker room is a way more serious environment, but the open skates, like those are obviously what I love. They're doing. so sick. It's, yeah. It's just more fun for me. It's more fun for the player. Like they enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's where they're naturally comfortable on the ice. Um, you know, and, and again, like when I have a player one-on-one, -on -one, it's different. I can ask more of those questions. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I asked Quinn Hughes, if he's going to post more on Instagram with the team winning more now, like stuff like that. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, and that's a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So I can ask that, but if I'm in a scrum, like, you know, yeah, I like to keep it light for the, for the most part, but I don't want to be that guy. That's like a total goofball. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I will have my times. Like I will have my moments where I ask something that's not so serious. Like I remember, you know, I got a couple laughs when I asked Laviolette, like if he has any Christmas day traditions with his family, right. like, Hey, like, you know, it's a, it's a human being that celebrates Christmas just like all of us. Like, you know, um, well, not me, I'm Jewish, but uh, you know, I think just like to, to ask him that though, like it's a human, it's a human emotion and, you know, something I've learned a lot through my, you know, couple of years here of just interviewing people too. And being, even being interviewed, uh, no one's going to tell you something that's so deep to them without you asking it. 
right? right. Like you need you need to open them up. So uh, that's something that I try to do for the most part. And uh, you know, again, like sometimes a, a shitty question can be made into an, a great question depending on how it's answered. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I there, there's always different approaches to it, but for the most part, I like to go in the positive lane as opposed to the negative lane. Yeah. No, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just think that's really cool. Um, Thank you. And I know, and I know you started morning cup of hockey. So like, let's talk about that a little bit. How did that idea get started? How fired up are you about that? Yeah, it's been awesome. And and that idea came, honestly, I've been, you know, since probably like 10 years, I've just been begging for an NHL morning show, like not Seriously, even for right? me to do it. Like, just to have something fresh in the morning to listen to. And granted, like I'm a huge podcast listener, um, but I grew up watching NHL network and I watch it every night. And then I watch the same thing every morning. So it it's was the same like, thing, right? Dude. Yeah, <laughs> and, but you can't blame the network. It's like, you know, it's just what they do. Like, yeah, you know, um, but I've also, you know, like, like I said, I've been a huge NBA fan my whole life. So, you know, in my later years, I was waking up listening to Get Up or First Take and listening yeah. to James Harden trade rumors and listening to LeBron James and listening to, Joel Embiid and all these, you know, NBA things and NFL right. things. And I was like, they never cover hockey. So why can't there just be like a hockey centric show? Yeah. And, you know, it's something that I've talked about for a couple of years now that I've been in the media. I've mentioned it to a couple of people. No one's really ever taken the bait. But Colby Cohen is a huge mentor of mine. I messaged him on LinkedIn when I was a senior in college blindly, just asked him for advice. You know, he played college hockey, he played in the NHL, and mm -hmm. he was doing media stuff. And I thought he was the perfect guy to kind of model my career after. And, you know, since that message, we just become pretty good friends. And, you know, I went to him with the idea and he had been, you know, working with the Daily Faceoff. And he was like, you know what? Daily Faceoff wants me to do a show with them. This is like the perfect idea. Like, why don't we just pitch it together? And I was like, I would love that. And, uh, you know, I think we pitched it originally like back in August. So it's been taking, you know, a couple months to get going. Um, obviously, a lot of work goes into it, but it's been an absolute blast so far. And it's also... It's a lot of work, like, you know, like waking oh, up yeah. at seven every at seven a.m. every day and 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 prepping the show because you can't really prep it at, you know, midnight the night before because, you know, you do need to sleep and whatnot. So we're waking <laughs> up a little bit earlier and um, kind of discussing everything we're going to talk about. But uh, it's been a blast so far and hopefully people are picking up on it and watching it. No, it's it's awesome. I always was so jealous of Canada because I feel like Canadians probably have that. so much coverage. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they have that where they wake up in the morning. What was happening? Like in the States, it's primarily NBA, NFL, MLB. Like those are like the big three that are kind of going on and then hockey every once in a while. And I, I remember everybody's so fired up about like ESPN getting involved. And I think that they're doing what they can with what they have, but it is nice to have that morning show now. Like it is nice to like kind of wake up and be like, Hold, like what happened last night? Like what's going on? So uh, as a hockey fan, thank you because <laughs> we we needed this for like a long time, and now it's finally being done. Thank um, you. But let's let's talk let's talk rags, dude. Yeah, I yeah. said it. Uh, we had some recent Yeah. <laughs> so Brennan Often was sent down after a two game stint. Um, what 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 do you think, dude? About, about I mean, he has so much hype as this kid. What I like about him is not only he has you know obvious skill but he also is not afraid to like kind of get in the hard areas and piss people off and that's my kind of player uh yeah. he had a couple cool little like between the legs passes his first game i think his ice time kind of went down towards the second game but from what you saw what would you what you what impressed you what would you think he kind of needs to work on stuff like that 
Well, it's funny that you mentioned that between the legs pass because my dad said the same thing after his first game. He was like, oh, he looks comfortable. Like, he made that play, and he just you can right. just tell he's comfortable. First uh, game of the yeah. show, you're passing the puck between your legs. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was a great play, too. Brodzinski had a good chance there. Um, you know, I thought his first game he was awesome. Second game quieted a little bit. And then, mm -hmm. you know, the third game, obviously, he doesn't see as much ice time, gets benched in the second period. I think he only had, like, two shifts in the second period. Mm -hmm. um, but, again, like, you know, I think he knew, and I think the organization knows that the way they're treating him this year is to – you know, marinate in the AHL, get his experience, and then hopefully become a comfortable NHL player next year, maybe even the year after. Who knows? I'm sure it's going to be next year. That's probably the plan. But also, Brennan Offman isn't, you know, this franchise savior. You know, it's not like there's a lot of pressure on him to come up and, you know, score 30 goals in his first year. Like, that's not what they're asking of him. So they don't want to put that pressure on him. And I think the way they're doing it is fine. Like, is, you know, is Offman going to come up here? And and join this playoff or or join a playoff push and and be the guy that gets them over the hump. Like, yeah, I'm not saying he can't be, but I don't think they want to make him out to be that guy, right? right. So, um, I think it's important for him to go and get more confidence in the AHL. Like he's had a you know pretty good rookie year in the AHL, but is he lighting it up by any means? You know, no. Um, I think he had nine goals right in his AHL uh, yeah. so far, um, 23 points I think too, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, I think. Uh, Good for him to get the experience. Thought he had a good showing. Um, did he go above and beyond? No. But was he noticeable and effective? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something he can build off of the next time he gets called up. So, uh, you know, hopefully he takes this as a learning experience and doesn't hang his head. And, yeah. uh, you know, now goes down to the AHL and tears it up. Yeah. And as Rangers fans, like they don't ever temper their expectations. It's always, we want it now, now, now. But if you look at Rangers forwards, the only two that kind of strike me that were young, that just kind of tore it up immediately. Remember when Duclair first came on, it was like, yeah. holy shit, this kid's flying. He can score goals. And then Kreider, those would be like the only two forwards that I can remember, like kind of coming in and being like, okay, like, here's an impact. Obviously took Lafreniere a little bit, took Capo a little bit. So like with Offman, you kind of have to temper those expectations and be like, okay, well, let's see what type of stuff he can add. And then hopefully in the future, he does kind of add those things. But between the legs, your first game, that's confidence, right? Like that's being yeah. like, okay, I'm here to, you know, I, I, he didn't look like he didn't fit in, which yeah, is no, no, yeah. probably, you know what I mean? Right off the bat. Yeah. He belongs for sure. He does. Yeah. So hopefully with a little bit of uh tuning up down the HL, he'll end up, you know, making his presence known in near future. But with uh Capo Cacos, he's skating again. I saw that he had a regular practice jersey on today. So that's pretty solid. His you know, the start of the year, we're gonna kind of get into player grades in a little bit, but I see a lot of stats when Capo in the lineup versus Capo out of the lineup. When he gets back, I mean, this is only gonna help the boys, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, Capo Caco, everyone knows it wasn't it wasn't a secret. He was struggling offensively uh before his injury. You know, I, I don't think anyone wishes an injury upon anyone, but maybe this could be a fresh start for him coming back. Um, you know, I know things were starting to weigh on him a little bit, uh, you know, toward the middle of November, whenever his injury happened. And, uh, you know, now he has time on his own. He's getting better. He's skating well. He looks good. He looks comfortable on the ice again. Like you just said, he's in the mix in practice today. And hopefully, you know, by next week, he's back in full-time action. And it's, again, it's, it's a fresh start for Cabococco. And the team is also not playing that well right now. So it's kind of a good time for him to come back. Like, you know, had he come back and the team's on a 10-game winning streak and he comes back and doesn't fit in and they lose, then right. it's like, oh, well, it's because of Kako, you know? Mm -hmm. But, like, if he comes in now and just makes it's a like positive impact. Yeah, yeah, you know, if he comes back now and makes a positive impact on the group, like, I think it's only a positive to have him back, right? Like, I don't think yeah. the team can play that much worse with him in the lineup uh, as they did against Vancouver. And, and not that they played so bad against Vancouver, but – you know, a lot of the mistakes were like Pierre Laviolette said, they were loud mistakes. And 
when you play a skilled team like Vancouver, they're going to make you look foolish. So um, for Kako now, I think it's a good time to get back in and a good mental reset. I'm just looking for him to start playing with some confidence. I feel like he gets some confidence to his game because he's a bull in the corners. If he gets some confidence and he gets pucks and he goes to the net, like if he starts doing those things, if he starts playing with that little bit of swagger, man, I feel like the sky's the limit for this kid because he obviously can defend. He's a very good defensive forward. It's just that he hasn't really been able to put it together offensively. And it's just, you're just waiting for him to do it, you know? Well, it's crazy too because him and Lafreniere had the complete opposite preseason. Like Capocacco mm-hmm. was insanely confident in the preseason yep. games that we saw, and Lafreniere was pretty much irrelevant in the preseason. Then, you know, the regular season starts, Lafreniere scores the first goal of the year, and since that moment, his confidence has just skyrocketed and Kako's has dwindled. So, like, it's a very bizarre thing uh, in hockey with confidence. I mean, we've seen a ton of star players when they struggle. It's just like, like you, Huberto, you ever, Huberto can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, dude, it's I mean, it's a human emotion, right? When when, when things are bad, you think they're never going to get good again, and when things are good, you think they're never going to get bad. So, um, it's just a tough thing that you have to balance as a as a human being, as and as a hockey player, and uh, hopefully, Kyle can figure that out. Uh, what's what's the word around the team with Filipino right now? I know he returned home to uh, Czechia, and like he he's had however many concussions in his young NHL career. Um. Should this be like a worrisome thing that he's returning home? Are they kind of letting him, hey, go do your own thing. Don't worry about it. Get better when you can. Like what, what's what's the talk around the Rangers right now? Well, that's the thing. The Rangers don't really talk. So <laughs> we don't really know we don't really know more in the situation than anyone else in the public does. Um, you know, as far as him returning home again, I hate to use the word again, but it's another reset. Yeah. You know, he wasn't getting better here. So let him go home and be the trainer that he works with in the summers. More comfortable, start, right? Around yeah, your family. Comfortable yeah. again. Um, you know, it's a tough thing to be injured, not, not only, you know, miss out on games and whatnot, but being injured and missing time with your family and, um, you know, kind of just feeling all alone. So I think maybe it's good for his mental as well, where, you know, he can feel the love and support from his family and friends back home and, you know, hopefully get to a point where he's comfortable enough to come back and play. But I I would not think that they're going to rush him before the playoffs. Yeah, and that's another really good point, dude. Like, if you're not at the rink every day skating with the boys or whatever, and you are in a different country so far away from home, that's got to get so lonely, dude. And yeah. like taxing, just like mentally. And on top of that, with uh, did they did they announce it's a concussion? Yeah, it's kind of a suspected thing, right? Like they haven't really kind of put a. Uh, yeah, like, I, I think it was just but there's just yeah, but there's just a lot going on. So I, hopefully, you know, that kind of resets him and then obviously he's looked really really good like the last couple of years it's almost like take that next step take that next step and you thought that phil was going to be the number two center this year and we're going to get into player grades Vinny trocek's really stepped up but um yeah let's just kind of get into the forwards now we'll, we'll kind of get into the ranger season i'll try to break it down line by line there's been a lot of juggling so i have like the first two here but we'll start with the first line for the majority of the season it's been zabinajad Kreider, and wheeler uh, Zibanejad, 39 games played, 14 goals, 25 assists. Kreider, 39 games played, 20 goals. He hit the 20-goal mark again, 15 assists. And then Wheeler, 5 goals, 10 assists. With this first line, I know Cooley's up now, but how, how are you looking at these guys? Uh, I know Zibanejad kind of, you know, he was really, really cold. Then he kind of got hot again. Kreider, special teams. I mean, that guy in front of the, po- in front of the net of the power play is insane. And then Blake Wheeler seemed to have lost a little bit of a step this year, but I mean, you can never really question his effort level. At least that's kind of what I've been seeing. Like every game he's at least pointed out there. I don't think he really knew he was fighting Tenorti the other night. That might not be the guy you want to drop the gloves with. Yeah. What, what do we have with these three? 
Well, I think everyone that's watched the Rangers this year knows that they need more five and five out of Zibanejad and Kreider, no matter who the third player is on their line. Yeah. Um, and Blake Wheeler, listen, he's he's shown positive spurts when playing with them. Um, you know, I think his production hasn't been as bad lately as everyone seems to make it mm-hmm. out to be. Uh, he's kind of become the scapegoat and the punching bag on this team this year for, you know, ob- obvious reasons. I think just because, I, I mean, honestly, it shouldn't be obvious reasons. They signed him to an no. 800K. That's contract. what I'm saying, dude. It's not like, like he's making five million. Yeah. A year. I mean, again, though, it is a guy who put up back to back 90 point seasons and is an NHL veteran and has shown he can score and produce. But like the Rangers knew what they were getting when they signed him. Like there were a lot of people who saying that. You know, he he has lost a step and couldn't play anymore and shouldn't be signed by the Rangers. And there are other people that said he still has a lot to prove, but he still also can play the game at a very high level. And, you know, I think, like I just said, he's become somewhat of a punching bag for, I don't want to say poor reasons, but, um, you know, maybe just misjudged. Like, yeah. he, he shouldn't be treated as Blake Wheeler from five years ago. He should be treated as Blake Wheeler that's making 800K. Um, you know, and I think fans have kind of lost sight of that a little bit because he is playing on the first line and wasn't doing well in the third line. He's not a third line player, so why would he? Yeah. But that's just how it is. And as far as Banjan and Kreider go, you know, I see every game after they lose, we got to separate 93 and 20. And then every game after they win, oh, I love these two together. Right. You know, it's just, it's just a love hate relationship, just like how New York sports fans are. Mm-hmm. And it's never going to change. Um, but again, you know, Mika and, and Kreider continue to produce in the power play. Could they have more production in five and five? Yes. Have they been abysmal and bad? Not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, also, like, I think I missed it, but I saw a lot of uh, like discourse the other day about like Kreider's assists or something. I don't know where that started, but but I saw a lot of comments of like, what about the assists? I don't know if you know the backstory. Yeah, that. I don't know. I think it was just somebody wanted to see. I saw that Kreider doesn't make other players around him better. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion, and there's some wingers that can do it, Panera and Kane. But for the most part, like your sentiment kind of really carries play. I I don't know if you agree or disagree, but like you look at all the yeah. good teams like a Crosby, a Malkin, uh, like Taves when he was good. Like those guys is a manager. Like those are the guys they have the puck the most. Those are the guys are going to be in the D zone supporting the, the defenseman, getting the puck up the ice or whatever. It's it, you don't really see every once in a while you see like a unicorn like Johnny Gaudreau or or a Panarin where you you know the play kind of runs through them. But to me, it's not really Kreider's like role to be out there dishing pucks. It's Kreider's role to drive the net, get get a stick on pucks, get pucks deep, be physical presence. So I I didn't really understand why that was like an issue. Yeah, I didn't I didn't either. I just saw the comments of like what about his assists and whatever and I didn't understand it. But um yeah I think those three do I have to give a grade? Uh yeah yeah we'll do Zabinajad, Kreider and Wheeler. What what do we got? Well let's do individual. So Zabinajad so far this year what are you giving them? Mika I'm probably gonna give a B minus. Um, okay. just because his start to the year was, you know, uh, not very strong, I'd say production wise. Um, but I don't think he's been poor. Um, but I think people would expect the a, right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think That's as of fair. late, he's certainly, yeah, as of late, he's certainly met expectations, but you know, you, you gotta take the whole year into account. Right. So, um, I'd say and it's so easy to be so hard on these players that are supposed to perform, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, well, this yeah. person's supposed to, it's not like they're not trying you know what i mean like, it's not like they're yeah. not caring about going to the rank so i would agree but with the B-minus. A grade, but like if you're giving a grade to just like a typical player like you know if mika's if i'm giving mika's Zbanjad a grade on like where he is right now it'd probably be an a 
yeah, he's point per game player. It's point per game player, number one center. Because you're taking the whole season into effect, like right. You know, it's you got to think at the beginning. No, I, I would completely agree with that. I would give him a B minus. I want at his advantage at I. And here's another thing: like everybody is so quick to jump and look at stats when they're kind of evaluating a player's performance, which is obviously like a good indicator. But there's other different things. We talked about Blake Wheeler; he only has 15 points. But something Drury wanted to add this offseason was like more veteran leadership. You added a Wheeler, you added a Benino. Nobody knows what those guys bring to the locker room other than the guys in the locker room and like you guys. Like as a typical Rangers fan, you're not really surrounded by stuff like that. There's no stat mm-hmm. that's going to say, "Okay, Wheeler makes the younger dudes on the team more comfortable," or like Wheeler teaches younger kids on the team about nutrition or about being a pro or whatever it might be. So that doesn't really show up. So like these like fans just kind of look at stats and like, Oh, only 15 points. Like what the hell is going on? And the same thing kinds of goes with Zibanejad. Like he might not have been, you know, putting up points every single night. I mean, he's still a point per game, but it's gotta be hard to play against a, a dude who's six, three, 220 pounds. Who's buzzing all over the ice every single night. Like the no, but there's no stat that kind of puts, you know, that into correlation with what it should be. So B minus, I would agree. What do you have for Kreider? Uh Kreider, I, I give a better score too because he's been really good. I think since the start. Yep. Um. So I give Kreider like that that B plus A range. Um. You know, he's asked to score goals. Um. He, he still could be a little bit more physical, but uh. You know, I think Kreider has done exactly what's expected of him so far yep. this year. I would agree. And then with Wheeler. Again, this is a difficult one because like. Mm-hmm. If you're asking me to grade the 800K Blake Wheeler, like I'd give him a B plus. Yeah. If you're asking me to grade the Blake Wheeler that I've watched play for a decade, it's you know like a C minus. You know, right? It's just, that's just how it is. Um, but that's yeah, that's I guess how I'll grade it. You know. Yeah, I think taking in you have to take into age, the contract, whatever it is. I'd probably give him a C plus, dude. I don't think he's been that bad. And again, I don't really know what's kind of going on in the locker room. He probably brings a lot more intang- intangibles than just like you know the stats that are kind of showing up there. The thing about Blake Wheeler, another thing that people don't realize you can plug him in anywhere in the lineup. Like he, mm-hmm. you don't need to kind of just put him in one place. If you, if you tell Blake Wheeler, Hey, listen, dude, we need to put you on the fourth line tonight, but I need you out there banging bodies and blocking shots. That's exactly what that guy's going to go do. Like you don't have to really worry about that with him. So mm-hmm. I would also agree. Um, the Rangers second line, which kind of drives me nuts. Cause in my opinion, it's their first line. You have Panarin, Trocek and Lafreniere, uh, Panarin, 39 games played 26 goals, 31 assists for 57 points. Uh, it took him 78 games to score 26 goals last season. So he's already there, which is, you love to see. He definitely seems like he's shooting the puck a little bit more shave the head. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but mm-hmm. what, what do you have out of the bread, man? I mean, he's been, it's, he's so much fun to watch, dude. It's yeah. insane. I mean, I hate to just like skip over, but like these guys are all A plus. I mean, like, <laughs> they've all been hard. unbelievable. Like, yeah, like, you look at yeah. there's not one bad thing to say about it. Panarin right. had a bad playoff, whatever, shaves his head, comes back, dominates, right? Uh, Lafreniere, kind of a slow start to his career. 39 games played, 10 goals, 15 assists, 25 points. He should have way more points, dude. It seems like he mm-hmm. wants the puck now. For the first time in his career, I feel like normally he'd get the puck kind of chipping in, do whatever he wants, but now he gets the puck. He takes a couple extra seconds. He's skating up. He's skating up. He made a great play. Who scored the other night where he kind of drove wide, pulled up, little Gretzky curled the blue line dish to Panarin. Panarin. Yeah, Panarin. Yep. Like, you didn't see that in years past. Years past, it was kind of like he just wasn't as confident as he is now, and you can see that in his game. It's fucking awesome to see, dude. Yeah, and I know it says here he's dash five, but like to me, he hasn't been like a defensive liability at all. At if all. anything, if anything, he's actually been a one man breakout a couple of times this year too. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and he doesn't think, shy away from physicality either, dude. Not like, at he, all. like if somebody hits his teammate, he's one of the first, and he's he's always kind of been like that. Who did Pajot hit somebody like a couple years ago? And Lafreniere went over and fought him, and I think it was his rookie year, and it was like, holy shit, okay, this kid gets it. <laughs> like, I think he like might have hit Fox actually. It was in Long Island, right? Or on Long Island? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I know and that. you'd love seeing that. It's like, okay, like, and it happened not that long ago where he kind of went after somebody. He fought Stammer in the conference final. Remember that? Yeah, he's got he's got like an edge to his game. Like he's he's kind of like an old school type hockey player, which you, yeah, you don't really see that now with all like the Michigan goals and like all these like little like cool deeks. Like he still has that like grit and grind to his game. Yeah, I fully agree. And I think last year it was just a matter of keeping him engaged every night. But Laviolette has done that, and he has a hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent. He was. I thought he was the best player for the Rangers in that Canucks game the other night. Yeah, easily. And you By could far. tell because like it seemed like he was just getting he was on the ice, it seemed like a lot. Yeah. And then Vinny Trocek, dude. 39 games played, 12 goals, 29 assists, 40 points. Uh, here's a list of this. This is from Rangers News. Every player in Rangers history to have a single season face-off win percentage above 60% with a minimum of 700 players. It's only one player, and it's Vinny Trocek this season. He currently holds the 14th best face-off percentage in a season in NHL history and minimum 700 face-offs, which if you're a Rangers fan, you know they are historically terrible at the dot. So it's, it's, this is so big because face-offs, face-offs possession. Like if you think about it, all those great Rangers teams that couldn't win a draw to save their life, they were battling to get the puck back almost immediately every single time the puck was dropped. So like mm-hmm. little things like this is huge. And Vinny Trocek, every game he's, he's out there, he's banging, he's going to the dirty areas, but he still has like these cool little moments of like skill where you're like, holy shit, dude. Like it, he's just, he has been everything that I think the Rangers have wanted, especially with Phil going down beginning of the season. Everybody thought Trocek was going to be your third line center. And now look, I mean, if Phil comes back, I, you can't separate these two. You can't, or no. this line, you can't mm-hmm. do it. No, definitely not. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I was all for Trocek being the third line center. I thought he just made the team a little bit deeper in that spot, but you know, he has earned this right to be that second line center. I mean, he's playing incredible with those two guys but also like don't forget Vinny Trocek played in that team North America team back in the World Cup a couple years ago like he was known to be the younger skilled guy in the NHL like early on in his career and not saying he's not that anymore but you know he's become this 200 foot player that's responsible defensively and can you know grind grit uh, PK do everything on little things you want and I think Trocek's kind of become one of those guys that I think every team would want and every team hates playing against Um, and he's also another guy who's very vocal in the room a great leader uh, well-liked guy um, you know, Trotrek just says everything the right way for the most part, it seems. And, uh, yeah, like he has become, you know, a solidified second line center on this team. Yeah. And, and he's, he's taken in Will Cooley, <laughs> which is like yeah. kind of cool to yeah. see. Uh, we'll also, get to it's tough. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't cut you off, but I was just no, saying no. like, it was, it was very tough for him. I mean, I know Rangers had a love hate relationship with Ryan Strom, but like there were a lot of people when Trotrek signed that deal that were like, you know, this is the guy we're signing. Like, it's basically the same thing as Strom. Why couldn't we just pay him that money? And I think Trotrek has shown what added value he brings that Strom just didn't. And, and I love Ryan Strom. Don't get me wrong, but I, I do oh, think it's become Strom obvious. was a great Trotrek. Ranger, dude. I yeah. loved Ryan Strom, too, but, but I, I, think I agree it's with It's obvious that Trotrek's the better player. You know? Yeah, 100%. I could not agree more. And it kind of took, I don't, do you remember last year when they kind of put those two together? It took them a while to kind of figure out what, you know, what was going on between Panera and Trocek. And then, you know, you're kind of mixing and matching. But this year, something's clicked. And it's every time they're on the ice, it's a threat. It's mm-hmm. it's awesome to watch. 100%. Um, 
That said that he brought in Cooley. We'll talk about Will Cooley. 39 games played, 7 goals, 4 assists, 11 points. He leads – I don't know how many hits he has, but I know that he leads rookies in hits. He's, he's a bowling ball out there, dude. And he's got wheels for a bigger dude too. You wouldn't really – every once in a while, I'll get the puck and go scan down the edge. You're like, who the hell is that? And it's like, holy shit, it's Cooley. <laughs> so as a, a rookie season, how do you think he's played so far? He's an A for me. Yeah. Easy. Easy. And I think the Rangers – you know, everyone asks – should they target the deadline? What kind of player should they bring in? For me, it's bringing another guy like Will Cooley. Yeah, I mean, that's a guy that can do everything that you ask him for. He seems to be an easily coachable player. Um, again, he's young, so he still is. You know, I think Vince actually had a pretty good interview with him the other day where he talked about, um, you know, instead of playing to make mistakes, he's playing a confident game now. Yep. Where I think, you know, obviously, like most rookies would, they, you know, their first twenty to forty games, they're in the lineup and they're just like trying to belong um and now that he does belong he wants to be impactful but to me Cooley has been a huge blessing to this team that lacked the intensity that he brings the last couple of years so i i like will Cooley. i think he's going to thrive on this first line with sabanajad and with Kreider, depending on how many games or looks he gets but uh yeah for me will Cooley's an a for sure what i've liked about Cooley too there's been a few times where he's kind of coming down on the wing and i feel like a majority of the time rangers players they kind of get to the half wall pull up wait for everybody else to come back or they'll chip the puck in the corner whatever it might be Cooley has like he'll get to he'll get to the top of the circle and kind of cut in and get like a really good shot off and you're like holy shit dude like that was cool and the fact that i'm saying that's cool is a problem like i feel like maybe you should probably do that a little bit more but mm-hmm. I, you're right on a first line he kind of brings everything that you need him to bring, right? And the one thing that I love about him is he does not not finish every single one of his checks. Like, if he has an opportunity to, like, you know, kind of be physical with a defenseman, he's going to do it. And you see it every single time. When he's on the ice, you know, defense and move the puck up, you're supposed to be watching the puck as a fan, but I'm watching Cooley go in and bury this dude in the corner, like, every mm-hmm. single time. So, awesome, especially as a rookie. You love to see it. Uh, Jimmy VC, 37 games played, 8 goals, 5 assists, 13 points. Uh, just kind of just that tried and true guy. You know what you're going to get from him every single night. He get penalty kill. He chips in offensively occasionally every once in a while. He's really kind of found his role. I would say. I think he's an A again as well. Yep. And and granted, I am not the harshest critic, so <laughs> I know the grades I'm giving out. But um, yeah, I mean Jimmy Vesey is he's a fourth line guy that's got eight goals this year. You know, like. Yeah. What more can you really ask for? He does kill penalties. He does all the little things that you need. Um, you know, do, do I wish maybe he was a better skater? Maybe sure. If I'm trying to critique something, but um, yeah, for me, Jimmy Vesey has been, you know, he's done his job. Yeah, you know, and I remember at the beginning of the year, he, him and Pitlick were kind of, you know, what one are you going to put in the lineup? But you're not taking Jimmy. You're trash the first game. Now. Yeah, yeah, you're French. Uh, Johnny Brodzinski finally got a shot and he, you know, he seems like he's sticking around 20 games played one goal, seven assists. He buzzes, man. That guy's up and down the ice. Always another player. When he has the puck on his stick, he's the pucks going to the net, which is again, something the Rangers I think have lacked historically ever since I've really been a Rangers fan. Um, it's nice to see a guy who's kind of been an AHL dude really get a shot to, you know, stick in. And I know, he was interviewed and he talked about how much he appreciated Laviolette kind of giving him a shot. And I thought what I thought was cool is when he came up, they gave him an opportunity to really play, you know, some minutes. And Laviolette said, Hey, like when these guys come up, I want to put them in the best position to succeed. And that's something that, you know, he gets down in the AHL. Let's give him a shot. So what what yeah. do you think about Broads? Tough to grade him. Um, because he's bounced around a lot, right? In the yeah. lineup. Like he got some power play time, he's got some first line time, he's got some fourth line time, he's got some third line time. Um so I don't know what a fair grade for Brods would be, but 
as far as talking to any of the guys in the team, he is my favorite. Yeah. Uh, he's just a very down to earth human being. Um, and, and is so appreciative of this opportunity. You know, he's a guy who had a successful college career, you know, played in LA for a bit, was never really a consistent guy, has jumped up and down. He's faced a ton of adversity. Um, and, and is just a true all around teammate. Uh, you can sense it. Everyone in the room seems to love him and, uh, he's nothing but respectful. And, you know, I, I think it's just, it's, you know, like I, like the, the grade I'm thinking of, I guess is a B plus, mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, would you have liked to see him stick more in the top six? Yes. Cause he was a scorer in the AHL. He led the league in scoring when he was called up, but you know, you're asking a AHL player to produce first line in the NHL. It's a big ask. So like, yeah, I don't want to grade too harshly, but I think just based on the guy he is and what he brings to the room and, um, you know, I, I guess all of that, yeah, I give him a good grade. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, uh, we got two other forwards and these are going to be interesting ones. Uh, mm -hmm. Nick Benino, 38 games played one goal, four assists for five points, uh, Five points, 38 games, whatever it might be. The one thing I will say about Benino is these, the whole Rangers faceoff started doing better, and it seemed like yep. when this guy kind of got to the team. Yep. And it, I know that he does the thing where, you know, when you normally take a face off, your hands are normally positioned a certain way. He ends up flipping one of his hands over on, I think, his offside faceoff. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Yep. But, I mean, you even look, Zibanejad's having one of a career year at the dot, too, and I think a lot of this happens because of Benino. Um, I don't think Benino was really added to really, you know, provide offense. Like he was kind of supposed to be again, a veteran dude around the boys and also not to be a defensive liability. So when you kind of look at him not being defensive liability, him being around the boys and him kind of, you know, bringing in this fresh new face off kind of thing, whatever, you know, impact he has on the centers, I think he's been pretty good. But if you ask a lot of Rangers fans, they would not say that. So what do you think about Benino? He also blocks a shit ton of shots. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. So many yeah. shots. <laughs> yeah. Like that Good guy ball. is fearless. He's fearless. And uh I have a lot of respect for Nick Benino. He's a very smart hockey player. Mm -hmm. Again, a guy who was brought in to play fourth line minutes that right. has been the third line center now for a lot of games just because of circumstances. Yeah. And again, it's tough to grade him because he's being asked to do more than he was brought in for. Right. So this grading is tough because of just how everything is shaken up for the Rangers this year. Like again, a guy That's like such a good point. He was supposed to be here for fourth line minutes, but since was it November second? Is that when yeah, you know got hurt? Exactly. It's yeah, November second. Yeah. So it's it's very tough. And and a guy like I don't know if we're doing defense too, but a guy who gets a better grade because of injury is Eric Gustafson, who stepped oh, up yeah. when Fox got hurt. Mm -hmm. But like that's not what he was asked to do when he brought was brought here. Right. So like he's a guy who went above and beyond, but like if you're going to say Nick Benino is like a, you know, a, a lower grade than like a C plus because he isn't a third line center, like it's an unfair grade to give, you know? So I don't know. I think he's, he's, he hasn't gone or he hasn't exceeded expectation. Um, I, I think he's done exactly what I, I've expected of him to do. Um, and I think he is well-respected in that locker room. So like, again, I give like a, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and give anyone a failing. Grade. No, I like, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ev like everyone has done their job. This team's won hockey games. Sure, they've had a rough stretch here as of late, but like, yeah. And and maybe they have you know a couple games here and there where they don't look like they're up to par. But listen, like this is a team that's sitting in a good spot right now that has faced a ton of adversity, and right. you know they have this no excuses motto about them this year, and they haven't used any excuses. So 
Um, you know, I'm sure other fans would be a little bit harsher, but I'm saying Nick Benino is like a, you know, a B. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I like that you said the no excuse thing because I was so sick and tired of Derek Stepan saying, oh, hey, you know, I thought we did a lot of good things or like anybody yeah. on that team. You remember when they weren't that good and it was always like, well, you know, I thought we did a lot and this team isn't Dude. like that. They're very accountable, which is like Honestly, nice to see. Like, I asked Lobby Lad a question. I think it was maybe after the Nashville game when they lost four to one at home. And I was like, are there any positives to take away? He was like, I never find positives in a win. And I think that is a culture shift because last year or last two years, Dragoland had a ton of moral victories mm-hmm. and losses. And I know now Rangers lose. I ain't asking Lavi Light any positive questions. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, like, that's, I love that though. Like it's accountability. Yeah. Like you get yeah. out there and do, do your job. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barkley Goudreau, dude, 37 games played, one goal, three assists, four points. Now I know he gets a ton of hate, but if you look back, he had a piece of his jaw laying on the ice. He can't, and yeah. now he's wearing a bubble. Like, dude, I no excuses, whatever it might be. Hockey's a very physical sport. If you have a piece of your jaw laying on the ice and you still have to wear a bubble, I don't know what his eating's like right now. I don't know if he has to eat through a straw. He was I don't liquid know. diet for a month. That's <laughs> like you have to take these things into consideration, right? Like, and it's people who are so easy to point fingers and be like, well, he's been awful. How about you take a, you know, how about you drink through a straw for a month and tell me how you're performing the last however long? Well, this one's tougher, and this is probably the toughest just because the money. Yeah, the know? money's tough. Like, that's, that is, it's, uh, you know, it's tough. Yeah. Like, I think he's the guy you can be hard on just because of the money. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's unfair. Like, the guy, you're making money, you know, it's not unfair, no. but I don't have like a, a good grade, I guess, but Barkley Goodrow, I mean, he's been, you know, whatever. I'm 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 using the bubble as an excuse. If the bubble was not on there, I think I'd be a far. I just I hate. I also hate being really hard on people. Unless you're yeah. Mark Stahl, I love being hard on Mark Stahl. <laughs> Anybody else, dude? Like with Mark, it's it's one of those things. Like he's brought in. He has that Stanley Cup pedigree. He's if he's making 800k, it's fine. It's because he's yeah. making 3.5 mil. It's just yeah. You know, you know I would spend agree. that money elsewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can run through defense real quick. Fox, 29 games played, four goals, 21 assists, 25 points. My only question about Adam Fox for you is like, do you think he's been a different player since returning from injury? Like, do you think the injury it's taken him a, a bit more to catch up? Or I, I I can't ever be hard on Adam Fox, dude. I'm so blessed that this dude's gonna be a Ranger for like the longest yeah. time. It's so much fun to watch him play hockey. He just sees the game different. Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely battled injury still. Like, it's not an easy injury to come back from. And it's the right. first time in his life that he's had a long-term injury. So um, you know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a cushion there and, you know, again, he's still producing points. He's not the Adam Fox that we've been used to seeing the last couple of years. Like you can tell, right? Like he's usually more mobile on the blue line offensively getting in the mix more. He hasn't really been, you know, as creative in the offensive zone as we've seen in the past prior to the injury. But, you know, I still think as time goes on here, he'll get more and more comfortable getting back to his old self. Just the last like six weeks or, or however long it's been since he's returned, you know, you can sense he's not his full self. Um, right. Don't want to say he's like avoiding injury either because he's not, but um, you know, takes a while to kind of get back yeah. to 100% after something yeah, like that. For sure. Um, Ryan Lindgren, 38 games played, two goals, four assists, six points. I have a question about Ryan Lindgren. If you had, if you had to, well, if you had to choose between like a Capo Caco type player, keeping him on the, on the team or keeping a Ryan Lindgren on the team, who are you going to end up taking on your team? Probably Ryan Lindgren. I think so too. Yeah. And, I, and I think at the beginning of the year, 
everybody was talking about Lafreniere or Capo, and I had like a really hot take because Lafreniere hadn't performed yet. I was like, dude, I would take Lindgren on the team over either of those guys. I don't think again, I two goals, four assists. Yeah, two goals, four assists. Not he's not an offensive guy, but he is a weapon on the on in your D zone. Like he battles, he blocks shots. I, I wish I knew the record with him in the lineup versus out of the lineup, but it seems like every time he's out of the lineup, the Rangers forget how to play defense. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think people understand the importance of this dude on, on the Rangers, and he's coming up. I think he's a UFA this year. Pretty sure. Either this year or I next know. year. And they, they don't have a lot of money. So yeah. I don't I don't know what they're going to end up doing with him, but what, what do you have on Lindgren? Also, he, he definitely leads the league in most times, you know, getting cut. For yeah, sure. for sure. Um, yeah, like a – like a B, B plus. I think okay. defensively, just everyone, you know, may, every, I think honestly, like everyone beside Truba has been, I, I think Truba has been far and away the best defenseman this year. Like as far as just, why do you think goals. that, why do you think that is? I saw somebody talk about, like, you know, now he's not on the power play. He can kind of like really adjust more to a defensive. Do you think that's what it is? Or like, do you think it, it's, he's handled this captaincy with such like grace. Like he, he really is like the heartbeat of the Rangers. When the Rangers need something done, and you're on the ice and eight's on the ice, keep your head up because he's going to run you over. He's going to get the boys going. He just, he's been awesome, I think. Yeah. And he's not like cheating the game. Like, I think, uh, you know, last year or maybe two years ago, he was just trying to chip in more offensively and felt more pressure to do so. You don't really see him pinching in so much and then having it like, think about last year, how many times he kind of left Keandre out to dry in like a two on right. one. Um, and this year, it's actually been like the opposite, I think. I think Keandre has somewhat. You know, tried to create offense and it's left Truba out to dry sometimes. So, yeah, you know, I think uh, Truba's just really become more of a defensive, like stay at home guy and it's really benefited his game. And, you know, I think he was a guy before this year where people talked about the money and if he was worth it. And I think he's been worth every single penny of that $8 million contract this season. 100%. I, I could not agree more. Uh, with Keandre, how do you, you still give him a B? You still feel. He's be worthy because to me, I think I'm a little bit more harder on Keandre Miller just because yeah. I see the skills, the intangibles, like how he he can be a one man breakout, dude. He gets the puck, he just hit that long stride, like and the long stick too. Good luck trying to take the puck from him. It just seems like I'm I'm waiting so hard for this dude to take one step where you're going to become either this offensive kind of defenseman or this one step where like if he's on the ice, you're not getting scored on. And I'm waiting to see what way he's going to go. Um. If it ends up happening, I mean, I can't be too hard on him. He's got 16 points and he's still a really good player, but there's just so much potential there. And I'm just kind of, you know, I want it to happen now. <laughs> he's just got to get a little bit more physical. That's his thing. Like, I would agree a, with that too. Such a big body. Like, I think sometimes he's just guilty of being too soft in the D zone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he should be getting bumps more. Like, that's something the Rangers lack a little bit. Like, they're not, like, when do you see a Ranger defenseman, like, aside from Truba and Lingren, truly battling at the net front? trying no, to like right. box somebody out the only like, I, I can think fox when fox gets pissed off he's kind of ratty in front of that. Like, yeah, i know but when it does it's like holy shit yeah. he's pissed <laughs> but like you'd think a guy keandre size would there wouldn't be anyone in front of the net right yeah. like i think he's I just agree. gotta get a little point. bit harder in front but he has chipped in a lot offensively he's made a lot of good reads and even he has said publicly like he doesn't think he's playing his best hockey yet which is good and bad because the Rangers are winning games, and if he's not playing his best and they're still winning, like just wait until he's at his best. So, um, you know, I think he's been a tough critic on himself as well, and you know, I think he still has a lot of potential and a lot of uh, room for improvement this year. 
you mentioned Gustafson earlier. He's got 20 points in 39 games played. This is probably one of the better six defensemen the Rangers have had in recent memory, right? Yeah, I mean, like if you just if you swapped Goudreau and Gustafson's price tag, I think it'd be a totally different story. That's like, um, yeah, you know, like I don't think anyone would be questioning anything if Gus was making 3.5 and Goudreau was making what uh, 9.25. Is that what yeah. Gus is making? Super um, cheap. Yeah. So you know, but like those opportunities come and go when there's injuries like you know if fox doesn't get hurt like doesn't happen probably right mm-hmm. um so and and honestly like going back if tony d'angelo doesn't do what he doesn't get kicked off the team or whatever like adam fox who knows what he becomes you know like yeah it's it's all about timing um so yeah gus i think gets like that a because he stepped up in a huge time of need why uh why do you think rangers fans are so hard on Braden schneider i've been seeing this on twitter a lot and i don't really have you it. i feel like they love him no, I've been seeing everybody kind of wants him out the door. Really? Yeah, dude. Maybe it's just the maybe it's just people are retweeting that I follow. It blows my mind. I love this kid. Like he's yeah. he's tough as shit. He's a mini truba. Like I don't really have any. He battles his efforts there. Um, for him, I think it's just the puck decisions and puck management. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes he just coughs it up. I think uh, he's got to work on his hands a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think. As far as breaking out the puck goes, if I if you were to ask me who I'm least confident in breaking out the puck, it's probably Braden. And yeah. you know, I'm not trying to knock the guy down, but if, if, if I'm picking between those six or seven guys, it's probably just him. Um, but you know, I think he's been solid. He's just he's got to get better with puck management a little bit more. That's it. Uh, goalies: Shesterkin sixteen nine nine zero four two eight five. Jonathan Quick nine two and two nine fifteen with a two. Well, you know the answer for Quick. Yeah, I mean, is this? I I can't believe it. is this like a Ben Wilder. I'm sure he probably has something to do with this, but I don't think anybody was expecting Jonathan Quick to come here and start posting these numbers. When I first tweeted that Quick was going to come here, everyone was like, "Why the fuck would the Rangers get Jonathan yeah. Quick?" Like, it was, there was not like one positive comment. Um, so good for him for shutting them up and getting Ranger fans or winning their hearts over. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, I think Quick's been above and beyond. Uh, if anything, he could be the Stephen McDonald extra effort award winner this year. Oh, that's a good point, um, dude. I like you know, that. I think, I think he'd be my pick right now. Um, you know, obviously there are a ton of candidates. Like, you know, you could say Panarin, you could say Trocek, could say Truba, yeah. but I think with expectation wise, it's got to be quick. He's been uh, lights out, my, and he's like, yeah. I love the way he plays goalie. There's not really that many goalies out there like that anymore. Like the smaller dudes who are kind of just flailing mm-hmm. all over the place. The Dominic Hoshley, the Tim Thomas, the Jonathan Quicks of the world. So it's it's nice to see that that's still kind of in the game. I feel like now all these goalies are like six three and like robotic. Like they're gonna yeah. side this side, this side. Quick, you never really know what's gonna happen, but he's gonna stop the puck. That one save he made where he kicked like his his foot up and oh hit the back. God, it's, it was crazy, yeah. dude. Was um. Sick. And then Shesterkin, 69904, 2.85. I, I'm going to be hard on him. I'm going to give him like a C plus, B minus. I'm only going to say that because he's a reigning Vesna winning mm-hmm. goalie. And you expect more out of that guy. I mean, his numbers are still there. And I'm only saying that because I know that he's going to come back and he's going to end up being an A by the end of the year. I mean, he's, he's too good not to do that. But what do you what do you have on Chesty? I mean, I think you just said it pretty perfectly. But like, you know, there there was a lot of hate for him the other night against Vancouver. But like, I even put out a video of the Canucks' first three goals, dude. Like you have JT Miller alone in the slot. Yep. You know, se- I think seventh overall goal scorer right now in the NHL. Like not Igor's fault. You have a two-on-one backdoor to Nils yep. Hoaglander, top yep. shelf, perfect shot, and then Brock Besser, another top scorer in the NHL on a mini breakaway. Like, yeah, like maybe 
another goalie like Hellebuck comes up with one of those saves, but like, man, like they got to help him out. Yeah. Like they're, they're too loose in the D zone, but again, and I, and, and I, I'm guilty of this a lot where I talk out of both sides of my mouth, as much as the expectations are high for Shesterkin to bail the team out, like they also have to be more of a help. Yeah. Um, and I think Laviolette said it perfectly. Like, you know, in that Vancouver game, the mistakes were too loud and it was too much for the goaltender to handle. Mm-hmm. And there will be games where that happens and Shesterkin makes those saves and bails them out and wins the game. But he hasn't really done it this year and we've gotten used to seeing that. And I think we're very spoiled when it comes to goaltenders here. So that, that's the issue right now is that like he's just not a, he's not lights out. So it's it's a negative. Right. We are so spoiled, dude. Like you look at teams like Toronto and Edmonton. When's the last time either of those two teams have had like a legitimate number well, Toronto one? Toronto is now and Martin Jones. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, like, you know what know. I mean? They'll just like consistent number one. It's just I don't know. He'll he'll get there. I'm not I'm not too worried about that. Um before we get into three stars, just really, really quick. MVP of the year so far. Come on. Obvious. Damn, fair enough. Anyone See, but I, Panarin. It's gotta be Panarin, right? It's got to be Panarin, and the yeah. only other person I would argue would be Trocek, just because I think he's so, so important to this team, as is Panarin. But those, yeah, I would give those two. Um, yeah, but if Panarin's not producing, we're not even talking about Trocek. That is very true. You know? <laughs> uh, okay, what is one thing that you think needs to be cleaned up the most with the Rangers play? Too loose in the D zone. They need to be more physical. They need to be just angrier. They're not angry. You know, I, I like think – you watch Florida play. They're fucking angry. They're pissed off. They play hard. Yeah. They play heavy. The Rangers can find that and channel that. They'd be so much scarier. You know, yeah. like even, and I don't know if this is like a good example. I don't even know if I want to fucking say it to be honest, but um, <laughs> like Bedard lands on top of Shesterkin. And I know mm-hmm. it's Connor Bedard. He's 18 years old. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be the jackass that punches Smith. Connor Bedard. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But again, like someone touches your goalie, like, Show something, yeah. No, like, yep. I don't want to say, I'm not saying hit Bedard, but like, there was nothing there, yeah. You know, it was like, okay, like, you're good, buddy, get up. You know, I don't know. I, you may, that's such a good point. I never really thought of it that way. They really don't really play angry, do they? Like, it's just kind of they get the puck there, you know. Well, cool, he does. Ryan if you Lager go to does. play the Rangers, I feel like you're kind of like, okay, like, let's just try to limit their scoring chances. It's not like, oh, I have to play the Rangers, this is gonna suck. Yeah. They have like, I want to be the team where you're angry. Yeah. Three it would guys. be kind of cool to have a team that, like, whenever you go to the gardens, like, shit, now we got to play the Rangers. This is going to yeah. blow. Like, I'm going to be hurt or so. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to have bumps and bruises. Like, throwback to when, like, Callahan, Dubinsky, and those boys were around. But, um, and then my only other question if you're Chris Drury, what are you adding at the deadline? And who's a player that you'd want to bring in? Frank Petrano. Frankie V. Bring him back. He I mean, he's he, he, he's publicly said he loves it here. It's the best place to play hockey. He's succeeded here. He's the perfect guy. That's like you know, I, I don't say I, I don't know. Like I don't want to say Frank is such a skilled player, but he's a fast player and he's a goal scorer. And I think you know he makes this team faster. He makes this team more of a threat when it comes to goal scoring. And I think they could use that. Uh, I guess if Heedle's not coming back, you know, the third line center position needs to be filled for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, again, I think that first line right wing spot has to get figured out, too. Um, But for me, it's Frank Petrano. I think that's the guy. You? Uh, It's tough, man. Frank Petrano is really the only player that's been able to play consistently with 
Well, people are saying Nana Zuccarello. Lindholm. I mean, I would love Zuccarello, dude. He, he Zuccarello is my favorite player of all time. So if that were to happen, I don't even know what I would do. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, I don't. For the first time in a while, I don't really think you really need to add anybody defensively. We didn't really mention Zach Jones, but he didn't. He hasn't really like when he's in the lineup. He's not really a liability. So you have that extra defenseman there. Um, I would be very worried going into a deep playoff run of having Nick Benino as your third line center though. Yeah. Like it would be nice to add a little bit more there. Um, if I, a perfect player, I'd love to bring in Dominic Moore, but you know, he's not around <laughs> anymore. Like that would be ideal. But uh, Frank Vitrano, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd be cool with Vitrano. I'd be cool with Zook. I don't know what other type of third line centers are really out there on the market, but I would try to button those two things up if you can. Then you have to worry about cap and all that shit and money and numbers. That's not my thing. So, Um, all right, let's just, uh, we're going to do three stars. Let me play this music real quick. Hell yeah, Brownie. All right, three stars. So we talked about the open skate that you do earlier where, you know, you kind of get to hang out with some NHLers. You kind of skate around the rink. You ask them what I think are cool questions. So I want to know what three people you'd want to take on an open skate. And I didn't really, you know, specify. This can be a hockey player. This could be anybody. Anybody in the world that you want to take on an open skate. So who would your three stars be? First guy that comes to mind is Justin Bieber. The Biebs, uh, dude. That would Biebs. be pretty cool, huh? I mean, he's just the coolest guy on the planet. Like, I don't think anyone can deny that. He's a modern day rock star. Um, modern day rock star. Yeah, he'd be cool. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think, like people I just like love. The Sandman, maybe Adam Sandler would be a good one. That would be good. Uh, you think he'd I have mean, like, want... long basketball shorts on, or you think he'd probably? Know? Yeah, he'd probably have the the Sandler fit on. Um, and maybe like. I don't, it's tough. I was going to say like Post Malone. I think that'd be kind of cool. He, yeah, dude. He seems like a cool dude, man. Yeah, he is. He seems like a cool dude. Like he just kind of um, gets it, right? Yeah, he does. He's the, he's the, he's the homie from what it yeah. seems like. But like hockey players definitely would love one with bread. Like I think he'd be awesome. Um, Who's another guy that I would love to do in the NHL? Dylan Larkin would be a cool one, I think. Uh, He's an under the radar guy. He's a beauty. Everyone loves him. Yeah, um, he seems to be just beginning to beat up every single time he's on the ice, dude. And just like freak things yeah. keep happening to him. I feel bad. He's having he's having a rough go. Um, you know, it'd be cool. Dustin Buffalo would be sick. You think so? I, I oh, yeah, what's dude. going on with him? I haven't heard his name in a long time. He just he he retired from hockey. I don't know if it's like legit retired from hockey, but he became like a, a professional bass fisherman. Oh really? <laughs> Dude, like yeah. he, he would during the off season. He would just eat nothing but cheeseburgers. He'd come in like three hundred. They'd be like, "Hey, Dusty, you got to figure this out." And then a couple weeks later, he'd be right back to where he like he's he's just my spirit animal, dude. <laughs> like he just seems like I've awesome. never yeah I haven't heard that name in a long time. Um, that's funny. That's uh, yeah, th- those those names would be cool. I think. Right. Well, thanks, dude. Well, let let tell our uh, listeners where they can follow you and what what shows we're on nowadays. Uh, well, yeah, thank you, Jimmy. I appreciate it. It's been fun. And, uh, you can just follow me on Twitter, jlazzy 23. It's basically where I put all my shit. Um, Instagram, I guess, Johnny Lazarus, just my name. And, uh, yeah, you can catch me every morning, Monday to Thursday on the daily face off YouTube channel for morning cup of hockey, bring on a ton of guests, uh, former players, media members, um, you know, all the good stuff. And it's been a lot of fun. We try to keep it light. Uh, we say it's informally formal. 
But um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. So uh, thank you, Jimmy. I really appreciate it. No, thanks for coming on, man. This was a blast. I love talking rags or jurors with the boys. Yeah, and, uh, jurors, baby, talking jurors. Yeah, dude, and keep keep up keep up the good work, dude. Like you, you're a must follow if you're a Rangers fan. Definitely must follow him. Must follow Vince. It's just it, it, you you do a really good job, dude. You you make sure that we kind of have a pulse on what's going on on the team. So thank uh, you, appreciate myself that. and Rangers fans across the world. Thank you, dude. So thanks thank for you. hopping on, uh, guys. Check him out, and thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys soon.